Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Big Church Sermon Series. This series looks at the movement that began 2,000 years ago that would circle the globe and leave its mark on individuals and cultures of every continent. It brings to life the story of the local church. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Good morning again, everybody. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Hey, we're going to release kids ages four through grade eight to go to their classrooms in the children's ministry wing. So we're in the middle of this series called Big Church, and over the couple of weeks that we've been in this, we're looking at what God did in the church in the book of Acts, and and if you've missed those Sundays, I encourage you to check them out on our podcast. The, The other thing I would tell you is one of the things that we focused on is this, the word in the New Testament that we translate as as church um, doesn't mean a building, doesn't mean a physical place. It means an assembly of followers of Jesus, a gathering of people who believe in Jesus. And so as we've looked at this, we've recognized that that what we see in Scripture about the church in the book of Acts has something to teach us today some 2,000 years later as we recognize that there's something to apply to our lives and to take into our daily relationship with God. And so uh, the challenge is this. Uh, to, to do that and to be able to recognize that there was a passion in the early church that, that we need to embrace and embody. Uh, some of you know that we've been, uh, we started something called 21 Days of Prayer, and we started that last Sunday, and for 21 days, we're gathering every day here, whether it's in Sunday services or at different times. During the week, we're meeting at 6 a.m. Sounds a little hardcore, but it's, it's really not. It's pretty cool. On Saturday mornings, we meet at 8, and we pray, we read scripture. Uh, we, some people pray out loud who feel led. Some people don't. But, but here's been the overriding theme for this 21 days. We have been praying that God would work in every single follower of Jesus Christ, that we would have that New Testament passion. to to share the good news of Jesus, that we would do whatever it takes to tell people about Jesus so that they would come to faith in him and that the kingdom of God would grow. And we're gonna talk more about that this morning. So, but before I do, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us and your care for us. Lord, we, we thank you that when it comes to humanity and your desire for us to spend forever with you, you did whatever it takes. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who also did whatever it takes to make sure that we could spend eternity with you. So Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning, give us eyes to see, and help us respond to what you're doing and what you wanna do in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Andy Stanley wrote about an experience that he had in China, and I, I want to share with you what he wrote. He said, several years ago, I, I visited China. I was touring a factory with some Chinese nationals, and um, toward the end of our time, the leader asked the group that had gathered with us if there were any questions. And there was a young woman in her 20s who had been shadowing the group. Uh, she was training for a management position, and she said, can I ask a question? And she said, 
are you a pastor? And she, she recognized him because she had read the book that he wrote, How Good is Good Enough, and she said, that book changed my life. And then she said, can I ask another question? And he said, sure. She said, why doesn't everybody in America go to church? Think about that. This is what she was really saying. She goes, why doesn't everybody in America go to church? Because I try to go to church, and in a communist country, it's pretty risky for me to meet with other Christians. So why don't, why doesn't everybody in America go to church? Andy writes, he goes, I didn't know what to tell her. I mean, how do I explain to a 20-something Chinese Christian why American Christians are so apathetic? How do I explain that American Christians are, are too busy to gather and worship our risen Savior? How do I explain to this Chinese Christian woman that, that we've forgotten how God transformed the world and the culture through this movement that we call a church? Remember, it's a movement. It's not a place. It stumped him. He said, you know, her question was a reminder to me that the church is not an institution. It's not an American icon. The church is a movement of followers who believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and that message has brought eternal life to them and they want to share it with other people. He goes, that's what her question reminded me and how we in North America, in the American church, need to recapture the passion, the big passion of the church when it was born. The big idea that we've talked about through this whole series is that Jesus Christ said, I am the only way to God. I'm the only way to the Father. Anybody who believes in me will have eternal life and will not perish. And that we've been entrusted, every believer has been entrusted with that life-changing message that we're supposed to share. But here's what I want you to remember about the church when it was born and you read about that in the book of acts you know the church barely made it out of the first century the, the church barely survived the life-changing message of jesus that was the only way to, to god was changing the world and in those first couple of weeks first couple of months thousands of people came to faith in jesus christ and that was exciting for the followers of Jesus, for the disciples, for the apostles, and for everybody who had been following Jesus before he ascended in heaven. They were pumped up. They were excited. But those who didn't believe in Jesus, they were not pumped up. They were not excited. In fact, they were threat threatened. They were severely threatened. Now, now think about this. Just, just remember the culture in which the church of Jesus Christ was born into. This was first century Israel. Israel was an, was an occupied state of the Roman Empire. The Roman emperor had appointed governors like Pontius Pilate to oversee areas, and he oversaw Israel. And there was this, this very fragile relationship between the Roman government and the 
Israel government. You know, it, it, was, it was very fragile. There were religious leaders and, and there were power brokers of Jerusalem who were doing what they could to make sure that they could feel as autonomous as they could living within the Roman Empire. They, they had their religious rules and, and their faith, and they wanted to make sure that that was maintained, that was critical. Some of the, the, uh, the power brokers, like King Herod, were, were really not followers of Judaism, uh, but they wanted to maintain their personal power. So there was this very fragile relationship. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy named Jesus who says he is the king of Israel. That's what he was crucified for. He said he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world and thousands of people are believing in him and following him and all of a sudden this fragile balance of power was being threatened and so those religious leaders those political power brokers wanted to bring everything back into place and persecution began to to break out in the church and let's talk about this big persecution that happened it started off pretty easy at first the first persecution was really more just like harassment Peter and John uh, went uh, up to the temple to worship. There was this crippled person there. They uh, healed that person, and then they preached about Jesus. They were arrested. They were brought in before the religious leaders, and they weren't quite sure what to do with them. Part of it was because there were thousands of people who were on, excited about what was going on here, and they were following him, and they didn't want to get in bad with the people. And they said, we're not quite sure what to do. So they gave him a slap on the wrist and said, don't talk about the name of Jesus anymore. And they sent him on their way. Now, it's interesting to see um, the response. They didn't stop talking about Jesus because they had this big passion. They wanted everybody to experience this personal relationship with God and have eternal life. And so the numbers of followers of Jesus continued to grow. Threatened again, the high priest of Israel had some of the apostles arrested and told them to stop preaching about Jesus and this time they took it up a step they flogged them Uh, they whipped them and told them not to speak in Jesus name and they they sent them on their way and in the book of Acts chapter 5 this is what it says about the apostles after they left being whipped it says they left rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. And then the very next phrase says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They had this do whatever it takes passion to make sure that people didn't face eternity apart from God. They wanted everybody to know. And so they kept talking. And the persecution got worse there was a new leader appointed by the by the apostles they appointed a, a whole group of leaders who would be what they called deacons and they would serve the church and one of those deacons name was Stephen and Stephen was not shy about talking about the fact that Jesus was the Messiah and that Israel was not what they were supposed to be unless they accepted Jesus as the Messiah and this really got the high priest and his leaders upset so they brought him in. They arrested him, brought him in, and they began to uh, interview him. And Stephen was not shy. He was passionate, and he began to preach about Jesus. 
And we read it in chapter 7. This is what happened. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, it says, those leaders covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at Stephen. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out and he said, Lord, do not hold their sin against him. And it says he died. The persecution had ramped up to another level people were being killed for telling others about the life-saving news about Jesus in the very next chapter this is what we read the first verses on that day that Stephen was killed a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. That's amazing that they were dragging off women. That that means the persecution has uh, gone up a notch. It's interesting to see how the apostles responded. They continued to rejoice. They continued to tell people about Jesus. But here's something that I think about with regards to us. It's something that I said last week. I've changed the words just a little bit, but, but think about this. Isn't it strange that we here in the United States live in uh, one of the safest, most free countries in the world? And most of us live in some of the safest parts of this country, and still, we lack the boldness to tell others about our faith in Jesus. Isn't it odd that we live in a culture where boldness in our faith in the United States really won't cost us anything? But we still shy away from telling people that we believe in Jesus and we would love them to know him too. You know, for the early church and and for other generations after the early church, There was a time when the church, the the body of Christ, was fueled by the conviction that everybody spent eternity somewhere. And so if we want people to know that they can spend eternity with God instead of apart from God, we need to tell them about Jesus. Andy Stanley says this, if the early church had been safety conscious if they had been concerned about their own rights instead of being bold, the message of Jesus would have disappeared within six months of the resurrection. I wouldn't be preaching this message. You and I wouldn't be here. But thankfully, they had to do whatever it takes boldness about sharing about Jesus. Now, in the midst of all this this persecution, something happens that only God could orchestrate. I call it a big conversion there was a man named Saul. You heard his name mentioned a couple of times in the scripture that I just read. He, he was a, uh, a Pharisee 
in the religion of Judaism. He was a leader. He was someone who studied the law. He prided himself in keeping it to the nth degree. He made sure that other people kept it to the nth, of, nth degree. And, and in, he became a follower of Jesus, and he wrote this about who he was. He said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrew, Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. And then he had an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. And he went from being a hater of Jesus to being a lover of Jesus. He went from being a persecutor of the church to being a protector of the church. And he went from being a terrorist to Christ followers to being a teacher of Christ followers. Let me read to you what we read about his conversion in, in chapter nine. Some of it's gonna be on the screen, not all of it will be there, but, but here's what we have. Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked the high priest for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, to the followers of Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul responded, who are you, Lord? And the resurrected Christ said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul, I'm gonna continue to call him Paul, um, and I'll tell you why later, but, but Paul had a supernatural, life-changing experience with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And he had a, a conversion that happened very quickly. And so he followed the directives. He went into Damascus. And, and while he was in Damascus, the Lord spoke to a follower of Jesus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him, Ananias, I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a name, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, and he will be praying. Ananias recognized Saul's name. And he said, I, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on his name. In other words, Ananias saying, Lord, I don't want to go see this guy. I don't want to get arrested and taken back to Jerusalem. But the Lord said, go, because this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias was one of those do-whatever-it-takes followers of Jesus. So he got up, and he went to the house, knocked on the door. It was answered. He entered, and he said, I'm looking for Saul of Tarsus. They took him to Saul of Tarsus, and this is what Ananias said. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he laid hands on him and prayed over him and he said, it says scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. And it says Saul got up and he asked to be baptized and he was baptized. And he, he must have been fasting because he took some food and he was strengthened. And it says Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, in Damascus and he began to preach in the local synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. 
And all those who heard said, isn't this the guy who raised so much havoc in Jerusalem and who was sent here to take people as prisoners by the high priest? And it says, Saul grew more and more in power, baffling the Jews living there, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. This is what you need to know about Saul. He was a student of Scripture. That, that's how he became a Pharisee. He, was, he went to Hebrew school, school as a young child, and he grew up studying the Scriptures, and he was Im, impressed upon by God that he wanted to be the very best that he could, that he would do whatever it takes to be the best Pharisee. So he learned everything that he could, and he kept the 613 laws of, Ju, of Ju, Judaism perfectly, and he wanted to make sure everybody else did. And then when, when he had this supernatural, radical conversion by meeting the, the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, he took that same passion and became a do-whatever-it-takes follower of Jesus Christ. He understood that God called him to take the good news of Jesus to the Gentile world. That means the non-Jewish world. And because of that, he changed his name from Saul to Paul. Paul was the, was the Greek version of the Hebrew name Saul. And so he began to call himself Paul, and others began to call himself Paul. And he went throughout the Gentile world, and he started churches. We call them planting churches. It, scripture, some, some uh, scholars say he planted up to 14 churches maybe more and here's the deal they weren't just churches that were concerned about what they were doing that being nearsighted and, and self-focused no they wanted to reach the world with Jesus they were do whatever it takes passion-filled Christians and so they planted churches that planted churches that planted churches and the gospel of Jesus Christ spread around the world because people who knew Jesus was the Messiah and had received the gift of eternal life by believing in Jesus and having a relationship with God, said, I want to do whatever it takes to tell people about Jesus. If you know your family tree and your family tree is of a non-Jewish origin, you are probably here because of the work of the Apostle Paul. If you're of Jewish origin, it may be from the other disciples who stayed in Jerusalem. Either way, Paul and the other disciples were sold out, do whatever it takes, passionate believers who would give their life for what Jesus had done. Now, the persecution did not stop. I need to tell you that. It did not stop. In fact, there were the disciples back in Jerusalem. They weren't quite sure what they had heard about Saul. So when he came to Jerusalem and he tried to join up with the disciples, they were afraid of him and they didn't believe that he was truly a disciple. Barnabas, one of the believers who was sold out for Jesus, testified to that and they finally met him and encouraged him. And they, it tells us in scripture this, that the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and it was built up. It grew. And People walked in the fear and respect of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it says, the church multiplied. Saul, Paul, had that passion to do this. It wasn't just Paul who had that passion, though. It was all of those followers of Jesus. So I want to talk about this big passion. You know, for a season, 
the persecution of Christians sort of leveled off a little bit, but, but then it ramped back up. All of the disciples, all of them experienced some type of persecution. Paul wrote about what he personally experienced in, in his letter to the Corinthians, the second letter. And this is what he said. Just listen to this because it's not going to be on the screen, but just, just let your mind create the, the images of what this was like. Paul says, I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food and been cold and naked. He was basically saying, look, I have been persecuted, I've been suffered, but he says, I, I would count that all gain. All gain for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. He was sold out. He would do whatever it takes, and he was not alone. All of the disciples, all of those 12 were sold out, and many of them faced persecution. Many of them died martyrs' deaths let me just share with you how some of the disciples died. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was flayed alive and then crucified. James, the brother of John, was beheaded. James, the son of Alphaeus, was beaten to death. Matthew was crucified in Ethiopia where he shared the gospel. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. Peter, who said he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus, was crucified upside down. Philip was crucified. Simon went to Persia to share the gospel. He was killed. Thomas was speared to death in India where he was spreading the gospel. John was exiled to Patmos. He died of an old age, one of the few. And then Paul. There, there's several places in his letters where, he, where you can tell he knows what's coming. He knows he's going to die a martyr's death. He knows he's going to die for the sake of the gospel. And one of those, he says, you know, I, I am being poured out like a drink offering. You know, in the history of Judaism, they would make offerings to God of food or of drink. He goes, I'm being poured out. I see it coming. But he didn't run for his life. He didn't try to protect his skin. He was eventually arrested. He appealed to Rome because he was born a Roman citizen. He was taken all the way to the emperor. And the Roman emperor Nero had him executed, had him beheaded. Big passion, sold out for God. Think about this. We really don't think about Nero much in history. Uh, yeah, we know that he, was, he persecuted the Christians, and, but we don't think about him. If you're a student of history, you may know more about him. That's only because you're a student of history. You know, uh, some people name their dogs Nero. Not really a claim to fame, is it? And think about Paul. We read his letters to the churches over and over. We quote his scripture 
what God used to create scripture through his pen. We are here, many of us, because of Paul's ministry. There's a fire somewhere there. (laughs) We are here because of Paul. He was sold out. He was sold out. Some of you, or your children, or your grandchildren, or your ancestors before you were called by his name. Maybe Paul, maybe Paula. In honor of what Paul did. Maybe not directly, but ultimately it's because of him that we recognize that name. Paul's passion for sharing the gospel can be read in all of the letters that he wrote. But let me just read to you the first four verses of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians because this was his heart and what he was passionate about and what he lived and ultimately died for. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For when I received, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And we know that he goes on to live in heaven and that all those who believe in him will have eternal life. That was his big passion. That was the message that he shared, which he received from the other disciples who received it to Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. And that's what they were passing on. So people would not spend eternity separated from God. Paul and the apostles had a big passion. A do-whatever-it-takes mentality about sharing their faith with other people. Many of them died martyrs for Jesus Our spiritual forefathers and foremothers did whatever it took to share Jesus with the next generation and with their friends. They suffered to share their passion with Christ, about Christ with others. You know, compared to what they went through, at least in this country, we'll never experience persecution like that. Yeah, somebody may get offended by you telling them about the hope you have in Jesus. They may not be your friend anymore. But isn't it worth taking that risk to tell somebody about Jesus so they can spend forever? You know, we've been entrusted with with the message of Christ. And it's not a message to put in our hands and close them up and put them in our pockets and keep it's a message to share and when you see that big passion of the church we recognize that we need to have that big passion to share the good news of Jesus Christ with whomever God places in our lives and I believe this that each one of us have been placed in a circle of friendships family friends neighborhoods hobbies sports business clubs, places where we shop, you have relationships in all that way. And you are the follower of Jesus Christ that God wants you to do whatever it takes to lovingly share the message of Jesus with those people. We're all called to do that. 
And we need to pray for the big passion, for the do-whatever-it-takes mentality to do that. So, so I want to close our service in praying that way. And, and uh, as, after we pray, we're going to sing a song that's, that's more like a prayer. And that song has a chorus that says, in my life be lifted high. In other words, we want to see our lives lived in such a way that people will see Jesus through us and that the world will see Jesus through us and that through our love, people will see Jesus in us. So I'm gonna invite you to stand up and I'm gonna pray over you and then we're gonna move right into this song and and I want you to sing it prayerfully. Sing it like you mean it. Sing it as as a prayer to God. So let me pray over you. Lord, we thank you that you are willing to do whatever it takes to bring us to God. We thank you that somebody in our past shared that with us and we received it and believed and received the gift of eternal life. And Lord, we could go back through our ancestry spiritually and and trace our roots all the way back to those first apostles, maybe even to the Apostle Paul. Thank you. Thank you for people who were sold out, willing to do whatever it takes risking life and death to tell people about Jesus. Facing persecution of all kinds, physical, economic, social, whatever, for us. Now, Lord, I pray for us that like our forefathers and foremothers in the faith, we too will do whatever it takes, that, that we will not just pray for the opportunity to share our hope that we have in Jesus with our circle of influence, but then we will do it. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us the words that we need because we know that that's a promise, that you will give us the words when we need them. Lord, help us not make you ashamed. Help us not to embarrass you, but help us share those words in life-giving ways and let us rejoice for the salvation and eternal life that people receive. And let us rejoice if we face persecution, not even to compare what the apostles experienced, but help us rejoice. Help us walk in faith. Big boldness. Do whatever it takes, boldness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.com.